Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. You know, some of my memories of my childhood is when I was trying to take shortcuts, trying to get a job done sooner than uh, it really was meant to. And leaving something undone, I was guilty of that more times than I want to think. But one particular time I'll never forget, uh, we lived on a farm, and we were going to uh, some cut some trees, but it was in a different location. So anyway, it was one of those days that I could go or not go, and so I was going, and then I changed my mind, and Dad said, well, you'll have to walk back to the house. So in place of taking the long way around, I decided I was going to take a shortcut. And so in order to do that, I had to go down into a ditch and cross over. We had a log there, kind of we could hold on and go across and get to the other side. Done it several times. So this particular day, I jumped down into the ditch. And to my amazement, there was a snake just waiting on me. And I looked. And I got out of the way as quick as I could and started trying to climb back up the embankment, and I slid back down. And that 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 snake had already struck one time, missed me, and was coiling back up. And I jumped up that time and got further and got away from that snake. But sometimes shortcuts <laughs> are not wise. Now, if that's true physically— how true that might be spiritually. Is there a shortcut to God? I don't think so. I think you got to come his way. This is Bert Harper along with our co-host, Nathan Harper. And Nathan, I think all of us have shortcut stories, you know? <laughs> yeah. But there are some you don't want a shortcut when it comes to getting to God, do you? No, not at all. You know, there's good shortcuts and there's bad shortcuts. Uh, there is no shortcut to God. It's only through Jesus. Uh, he's the way. And, uh, you know, he, he tells us over and over um, that the only way to know God is through Jesus. Um, but what if Jesus, in, in sending out his, his followers, his disciples, uh, to, to live on mission, to be a part of the task that he's given them to do, of making him known all over the world, um, and he gave them a few if you want to call them shortcuts, to get the job done in a more efficient, more effective manner. Uh, maybe shortcut's not the best word, but what if, what if Jesus gave you instructions to do that himself? Then that's probably something you want to do, right? That would be. That, yeah. would, be, that would be from someone who knows the end from the beginning. So yes. I think he would be the wise one to listen to. Well, that's what we see. In uh, Luke chapter ten, now we've we've studied this many times before, uh, but just wanted to look at it from a different angle, and and look at how Jesus is giving his 
sent ones, we would call them apostles, right? Um, a way to reach um, the harvest, a way to see uh, a great fruitful harvest uh, for God's kingdom. And we might would call that harvest, an, another word we could use is an exponential gospel movement, if we want to. Wow. <laughs> where there is a, a movement of multiplication of disciples, making disciples, making disciples, churches, planting churches, planting churches, and it's spreading and it growing and it moving all over the face of the earth as the gospel is proclaimed, uh, is demonstrated and is, and is proclaimed, lived out, and it's exponential. It's not uh, one right after the other. It's multiples. It's multiplied. So imagine a great harvest, how Jesus talked about the harvest of 30, 60, 100 times as the seed was being sown. That sounds like, over in the book of Acts, these who have turned the world upside down have come here. That was exponential. They had yes. turned the world upside down by doing exactly what you were saying. They, right. they were Lives were being changed. So when we talk about the idea of um, something being apostolic, um, there's different uses of that word in different circles. But the biblical use of the word apostolic, uh, again, apostle just means sent one, one who is sent out by the Lord uh, on a mission. Um, and so in, in a general sense, the church, all of us as followers of Jesus, have been sent out. We are sent out ones. Um, uh, but in a more specific sense, there are some of us, some of the church, some individuals have a call on their life, have a uh, task given to them by Jesus for that kind of work specifically, for mission work, okay? Like leaving one culture, going to another culture, leaving one place, going to a new place uh, for the purpose of making disciples, for the ch- purpose of planting churches, uh, for the purpose of seeing a harvest. We would call them missionaries, but the, the, the Bible word is apostle. Um, now, when an apostle goes to a new place, when a missionary goes to a new place, preaches the gospel, some, are, some, are, some believe and they're baptized and they uh, learn to obey and they gather together as a church in, in, a, in a group. Um, eventually, not too long, there will be someone from that group who God will call and raise up to stay and not go along with the apostle who's going to go on to another place, who's going to move on to the, the next place as the missionary will move. Uh, that person that stays, we might call them a pastor. That's okay? true. Yeah. And they have a different call. Ultimately, it's the same. It's to make disciples of all the nations. It's to fulfill the Great Commission. Um, but it's more of a – the way they do that is, is they will stay in that place uh, among the same people and continue carrying that out. And so you can compare, you can contrast the work of an apostle uh, with the work of a pastor. And there's other, other functions. There's other uh, leadership roles and responsibilities in a church. Uh, but those are kind of two ones that you could almost put on a, um, on a line, and they would be at one end or the other. And people, each of us, have almost like in our personalities, in the way that God has shaped us, we kind of lean toward one of those ways or the other. Yeah. Some of us lean toward being one that's on the go and 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 going to get out and and 
and do things for the Lord. Others, we want to grow roots and stay and help strengthen those that are are here in one place. When you describe that, I can't help but think of the other program that I'm involved here on AFR, Exploring Missions. Alex McFarlane, the co-host of Exploring the Word, he is uh, he he's going. He is an evangelist. He's teaching. He's leading, and uh, he does that just 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 close to every weekend. Whereas I, uh, although I'm on the radio, I I go to a church and uh, as interim during a period of time when the senior teaching pastor has left and they haven't got another one. And I fill in during that period of time at the same church over, you know, week after week. And that's exactly his giftedness is in that area. My giftedness is in the area that I'm in. But yet we're trying to accomplish the same thing, and that's followers of Jesus Christ. That's right. So whether you kind of see yourself leaning toward like the apostolic kind of way of going about living on mission, more of a pastoral approach to living on mission, somewhere in the middle. You might not even know where where you fit on the on that um, comparison. Um, I want to give us three simple ways that Jesus actually give, gives us here in Luke chapter ten of of living on mission, um, but also seeing a harvest. Uh, whether whether you're going and doing this over and over in different places, or whether you're staying in one place. And, and doing this in a more slower, um, methodical way. However you go about it, these are three shortcuts, if you will, to the harvest field, okay? Okay, we. this may be one that you want to write these down and underline. If you have your Bibles uh, in Luke chapter 10, you might turn there because this would be a good Bible study. Go ahead, Nate. So I was not going to read the first part of Luke 10, um, but when you brought up the story about the snake, it made me— <laughs> I think maybe I should I should read this, okay? Um, and Jesus was talking about how he was sending out his uh, his workers. Um, he said, um, "Now go." This is verse three, Luke ten three. Now go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Okay, so you didn't run across a wolf; you ran across a snake. I but did. <laughs> there's danger in this mission. And that's one thing that Jesus doesn't hide from his followers. Um, he lets us know up front there's a cost to being obedient to Jesus. And the more purposeful we are, intentional we are about sharing the good news of Jesus um, as we go, living this life on mission, then there's going to be danger involved. Uh, there's some difficulties involved. Yeah, and Jesus, so we don't need to Jesus shy away didn't from hide them. You're right. right. Matter of fact, he exposed them and told them about them, and sometimes it would clear out the crowd, wouldn't it? Not- yeah, and these shortcuts don't cut around the danger. They go right through it. Right through the and danger. And so Jesus is warning them about that. Um, he goes on, um, verse 5, he says, Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. Verse 6, If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. Verse 7, remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't be moving from house to house. Now, those three verses are just a small part right in the middle of the whole uh, lesson that Jesus is giving his disciples. He's given them instructions as they go out into the harvest field. 
but there's three shortcuts right there in the middle. And we'll start with uh, the first one. And really, Luke chapter 10 is a a good, the whole summary, if you summarize Luke 10, the whole chapter, in one word, one word you could use for that is the word hospitality. It's a good picture of, of what hospitality is about, both giving it but also receiving it. Um, this is the first part of Luke 10. If you go on to read, you get to um, the story of, it's a parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus tells. And there's a beautiful picture of what hospitality looks like. And then the end of Luke 10, you see Jesus himself going uh, with his disciples, going to Mary and Martha's house. And they welcome him and receive him into their house. And so there's another picture of, of hospitality. But this whole idea of hospitality is simply, um, well, the word for hospitality, the biblical, the Greek word, is it really means um, Love of strangers is what it means. I'm not going to try to pronounce it in uh, <laughs> in, in Greek, but um, you've heard of the word xenophobia, right? Like fear of strangers. Right. And when we say strangers, we don't mean like people that look strange or act strange. That's what I used to think it was about, you know. Um, but the word stranger really means a foreigner, someone who is different from the people that you're used to, the people that you grew up with, the people that, that you belong to. Someone that's not that, someone that's an outsider, someone that's other than that. And so we know what fear of strangers is like, and so hospitality is the biblical love of strangers, someone who is willing to welcome a stranger into their life, into their home, or the other way around, as as this is the case in the first part of Luke 10, Jesus is sending out his, his workers to go into these other strange people's homes, um, which is one, um, I think there's a there's some hints there that these were some of these were potentially Gentile homes right. Seems that like the disciples me. were going into. That's a different issue we can get into later. But the first shortcut to seeing a good shortcut, the the one that Jesus gives us to seeing gospel movement, to seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ spread around the world is hospitality. We need to be people who are willing to give and receive hospitality of people who are not like us, people that might make us uncomfortable in a natural sense. You know, when I hear that, I can't help but think of Elisha in the chamber that was given to him by the woman, and uh, so that when he passed by there, he had a place to stay. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a New Testament concept, is it? It's, it's a biblical concept all the way through. Yeah, it's all the way through. Um, in fact, Jesus taught on it quite often, and he would use Old Testament examples. Exactly. Um, and that's really what got him into a lot of trouble with the crowds a lot of times is because they didn't want to hear that because they, they wanted a Messiah that would just come for them, just yeah. for their people. He didn't want that good Samaritan taking care of the of the Jew and That's the right. Levi and the priest and exactly. passed him by. That's it's right. a beautiful picture of what of what God does for us. Amen. While we were strangers. Yes. While we were estranged and not citizens, he brought us in, made us citizens of his Hallelujah. People. So hospitality is the first shortcut. And in other words, we need to get used to visiting people in their homes or having people visit us in our homes. 
And that is so, I don't know, what is, that's the antithetical concept of what it means to grow up in America these days, right? It is. Now, listen, you know I love the Andy Griffith show. You know where they spend a lot of their time? On the front porch. Yeah. And uh, different ones dropping by to see them. And, te- you know, we have lost that. Now, when you you and I have talked about before uh, in the church we served together, we had a mission each year to go to Nicaragua. And one of the things that impressed both of us was the hospitality. When we would go from house uh, from door to door sometimes, yes. house to house, oh, come on in. Now, they didn't have much. Sometimes they had to have a folding chair. They had to put up their hammock when someone slept so they could put the chair down. But the, the hospitality was amazing, wasn't it? It really is. And when you see it in other cultures, it really hits you in the face of how much we've lost in our own culture here in the U.S. and our society. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as we're recording That's this in, in Mississippi, the hospitality state. <laughs> That's true. And we've lost so much we have. of that in our own lives. Uh, Christians, followers of Jesus, should be marked uh, by a lot of things. One of the things we should be marked by is hospitality. It's one of the marks of a of a pastor, right? It is. That's one of the listings. It is. And so we have neglected this for too long, I think, and, and part of the reason why I believe our society is living in darkness and even celebrating it is because we've quit celebrating the light in our own homes, among people around us, inviting people in, Here's a novel concept, inviting yourself over. You know, we, <laughs> I was taught that was rude, but here's Jesus saying to do it. He's like, yeah. hey, go to somebody's house and see if they'll let you in. Yeah. And these guys were not coming to visit and then leaving. They were going to stay for a while. For I mean, he says, stay there. If someone opens their door to you, you're going to sleep in their, in their house. You're going to eat their food. Whatever it is they put in front of you, verse 8, he says, go on and eat all of it, Okay. These good Jewish boys had to be reminded, hey, you're going to get a pass this time. You can eat some of this potential unclean Gentile food. Yeah. So it's it's an important concept, and I put it first in our shortcut list. Uh, here Jesus basically puts it at the last here in verse 7. He says, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer. Don't be moving from house to house. All right, He's saying stay there, remain. The word abide is is the word that's used. Um, it's last, I think, in, in Jesus's list because it was understood in their culture and their society. Hospitality was just a normal everyday practice. They didn't have a local hotel for them right. to check into. They didn't. They hadn't lost it yet. Yeah, we have lost it in our society. So I want to put it at first to to know it's not understood. You have to. It's a radical concept to invite someone into your home these days around a table uh, to share a meal with someone and then share the good news of Jesus with them. Or maybe you're on the receiving end of someone else's hospitality. But that's the first shortcut is hospitality. The next shortcut, we'll go back to uh, verse verse 5, and it is, all right, I'm going to use a Hebrew word here. It's shema, okay? So the first shortcut is hospitality. The second shortcut is a shema statement, a Shema statement or Shema saying. Now, what, am I, what do I mean by that? Well, verse 5, Jesus said, Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. All right? And it's, it's a phrase that Jesus used, a common phrase uh, used then and even now 
by Jewish people, uh, even Middle Eastern people uh, of other languages will still use this phrase when, when you greet someone. It's a common greeting. Like, you know, when I was in high school, the common greeting was, what's up? <laughs> okay. That's what we would say. Uh, I've gotten a little older, maybe a little bit more sophisticated, so I might say, hey, how are you doing today? Yeah. You know? Uh, what you would say in Jesus' day was, peace be to this household, especially when you're sitting on their front, you know, standing at their front door. You would say that, peace be to this household. Um, now, it was a common greeting, but Jesus was saying, use, a, use your greeting, use your first interaction with someone to break down any barriers, okay? And then second, you're going to throw out an invitation and if they are interested in what you're giving, you're going to offer something. If they're interested in taking that offer, that will tell you where they are spiritually. So he's saying peace, say peace to this household. In other words, you're in, inviting them to experience peace. You came to offer peace. You're a messenger of peace. As Isaiah would say, how beautiful are the feet of those hmm. who bring the good news of peace and it's that shalom, the idea that God and his world uh, are made right, like in a right relationship. There once was a separation because of sin, and God is bringing back that back together again. Um, and it's through Jesus we know that happens. And so here they are making that offer. It's basically a really shorthand form of the gospel. And so they are breaking down barriers. They're being warm and friendly. And culturally appropriate, but they are also uh, giving a hint that, hey, I, I want to share some good news with you. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. And that offer was at that time was for peace. Now, we don't have to use the exact same words. We can come up with our own statement that would kind of indicate do the same sort of things. Uh, one of men that I know that was one of the greatest soul winners I ever had the opportunity to meet was a pastor up in Corinth, Mississippi, Brother Bill Wages. He's recently gone to be of the Lord. And uh, he got saved radically and uh, out of the Army, and or I think it was the Air Force, but out of the armed services, he came. And when he'd see someone, he'd say, well, hey, brother, that was his okay. line. And somebody would say, well, I'm not your brother. He said, well, you're either my brother in Christ or my brother in Adam. Which one are you? And yep, and, you and that's exactly what he'd yep. do. And he'd win people of the Lord left and right. Yep. And hey, brother. Yep. And that he was had his a, He had a Shema statement. That was it. Uh, the word Shema is a Hebrew word for hear. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so the idea of hear, in other words, you're testing to see if these people have spiritual ears to hear the rest of the message that you want to share with them. That's true. And so you're not going to waste time if if they're not ready to hear. You're going to move on to the next house. So if they're not ready to receive that peace, they'll shut the door, they'll tell you to go away, or they'll whatever. You just take your peace with you and go to the next house until you find someone who is ready to hear that peace. One of the statements that we used to make as a Shema statement was this. We would say if if uh, we're we're walking around your neighborhood and praying that God would bless uh, people living here, if you could ask God to do a miracle in your life today, what would you ask Him for? And if they would say get lost, we would get lost and go to the next house. But they might say, "I just found out I have cancer. 
Would you mm. pray? And we would pray right there in Jesus' name. And there's an open door. They're, they're hungry for something. And we would come back later and, and see how God might have answered that prayer. Yeah. So you could use your creativity, think through it, but let God lead you in formulating a Shema statement. Real quick, shortcut number three, the next verse, verse six. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. So just what we just got through saying. So the idea of shortcut number three is to find a person of peace. Find someone who wants to hear more. Find someone who may have those spiritual ears attuned to what God wants to say to them through you. Okay? So you're gonna you're gonna be ready and able and re, you know give the offer of hospitality. You're gonna share a Shema statement, something short, simple, a way of breaking down barriers and giving interest, uh, showing interest in the gospel. And then if they respond, they might be a person of peace. A person of peace has three uh, characteristics. First, they Welcome the messenger. In other words, they're not going to run you off. They're going to invite you in. So they welcome the messenger. Second, they receive the message. In other words, they want to hear what you have to say. They'll, they'll listen. Whether they immediately believe or not, that's up to the Lord. But they will listen, and that they will hear the gospel. They want to hear the good news that you came to bring. And the third characteristic of a person of peace is they will then extend their influence in other words, they have a circle of influence. They have a sphere of relationships. They want the gospel to, to be spread through them. They want to hear. They want these people to hear what you have to say as well. So they'll invite their friends, family, neighbors, whoever they have relationship with, to hear what you have to say and hear this good news of Jesus that's being proclaimed to them. The Philippian jailer, after he was saved, guess what? he was baptized, but guess, in his household as well. That's right. Lydia, when she went... There on the creek bank or river bank, she had her area of influence. And when Paul came in, it spread to others. And even a church was even started from yeah, there. That's how the gospel spreads is through social networks. And so you're finding that key person that will give you entry into that network. And then the, the good news does the rest. Jesus will do the rest. You know, I always heard this. I was pastor, and they said the reason most folks choose to come to your church is not the preaching it's the friendships of others that they have had the opportunity to cultivate and make. And uh, the percentages was, and this is a little off, was 80% of the people choose a church to go to because of relationships they have with others. And uh, I, I would tell folks I run more folks off than I draw because, you know, they don't <laughs> like that. But it's so true that you find that person, share the good news of Jesus Christ. I love what you said it was uh, really an introduction to the gospel. Yeah. Look for those opportunities, and when we do, it's amazing. Nathan, thank you for sharing this with us, and we pray that you have been blessed and that hospitality will become a part of your life. And that opportunity to share the peace of God with others, you would take and then look for that person that needs to hear the gospel. They may receive it, and then they may respond to it and share it with others. Amen. That's like the ripple effect. Again, thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on AFR, and we ask you to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.